And welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on this glorious, glorious Tuesday evening. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Tuesday night. Where else but right here on CBS Sports Radio. I wanted to start tonight's show with this. We had the conclusion of week number nine last night, Chargers beating the Jets. My biggest takeaway from week number nine was this. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. It's over. The AFC race is over. There is no one right now in that conference. I think that is going to beat the Bengals come playoff time. I like what I've seen the last two weeks. I think what the last two weeks we've seen from Cincinnati is truly who they are going to be the rest of the season. And I have not seen anything right now through the first nine weeks of the year that indicates any other team in the conference can beat Cincinnati come playoff time. So I think the race is over. The AFC runs through Cincinnati. And the biggest reason why I say that is because the biggest part of that Bengals team is back. Joe Burrow. He is now fully 100% back. We saw him limited early this year with a calf injury. Wasn't sure how much was just him playing poorly. How much was the calf? Well, clearly, you got the bye week. Now the last two weeks, he's come back healthy against San Francisco and against Buffalo. And boy, oh boy, with Joe playing at that high of a level, again, I'll ask you, who's beating Cincinnati? Who is the team that's going to step into the jungle or even at home and allow Cincinnati to come into their building? And who's going to beat him? I don't think anyone with Joe playing right at the level he's at is on the Bengals level. Because you look right now, the last two games, what we've seen from Joe Burrow, this is who he is. And this is who we're going to see moving forward against a 49ers defense, one of the best in the league. And I get it. Look, the Bills defense has been disappointing and they have been banged up with injuries, but that's still a team that is a playoff team. Right, that is built to win a Super Bowl and the last two games. Joe Burrow has combined to complete 78% of his passes against those two teams for 631 yards, five touchdowns, zero turnovers. Oh no, oh yeah, by the way, added 47 rushing yards, which I get it when you say in that in this sense right now of combined yardage does not sound like a lot. But you saw it both in the San Francisco 49ers game last week, and then on Sunday night against the Bills uh two nights ago. You saw how big of a weapon Joe Burrow is with his legs, and when nothing's open, he can scramble for 7, 8, 9, 10 yards, keep the chains moving, and have this Bengals offense still operate at a high level. So Joe is back. There's no doubt about it. Joe Burrow is healthy, and now he's 100% back. But it's not even just him. It's also not what we're seeing from this run game, which wasn't great against the Bills, didn't need it to be. But this run game we saw against the 49ers two weeks ago, 87 yards was a season high right now for Joe Mixon. So Joe Burrow's presence, his ability to beat you in the pass game, now all of a sudden opens up the run game, which has been struggling up to what was last week, that point in the season. And now all of a sudden it allows the Cincinnati Bengals team to become balanced and now just create an absolute nightmare if you're any defense coordinator in the rest of the league of saying, geez, we got to worry about Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd in a passing game. Now we got to wor- worry about now Joe Mixon in the run game as well. It makes it really damn hard, I think impossible, to slow down this Bengals offense. And it's not just the offense. 
It's also the defense who went into San Francisco. Now the 49ers are 17 points. Who last week against the Bills, again, a team built right now for a Super Bowl championship who was healthy on offense and really limited them for 90% of the game. Late touchdown there to make it closer than it was, but for the most part, for, again, 90, 95% of the game, you held Buffalo to 10 points. Not really a big-time threat. Then moving the ball. So this defense, we've seen also two in the playoffs. Play well against the Chiefs. Play well against the Bills. They travel. Doesn't matter home or away. They play good defense. And now with Joe Burrow playing at the level he is, I don't see another team in this conference right now that is on the level of Cincinnati. And I know what you're going to say. Well, Ryan, uh, how about the Chiefs, idiot? The reigning AFC champs. The reigning Super Bowl champs. Obviously, they, they can match up with with Cincinnati, it goes through them, right? No. Because I'm sure you watch what I watch on Sunday and watch what we've been seeing this entire year. The Chiefs' offense is not good enough to keep up with Cincinnati. Their defense, well improved. They are legit. But I trust Cincinnati's offense against a good Chiefs' defense way more right now than I trust this Chiefs' offense versus the Bengals' defense. This is not a slide against Patrick Mahomes. This is not a slide against Travis Kelsey. My issue with Kansas City, and my thing why I don't think right now they would beat the Chiefs, uh, they would beat the Bengals, I should say, in a playoff game, is because outside of those two guys I just mentioned, who scares you? Hmm? Who's beating you if you take away Travis Kelsey? The answer is no one. The Dolphins lost, and that was a big-time story because, again, they can't beat any good teams right now. But don't let it be lost on the fact that in that game in which the Chiefs won 21-14, they scored two offensive touchdowns, had zero contributions from anyone really uh, on the offensive end whatsoever, couldn't run the ball. I mean, no disrespect, but when you have Noah Gray leading you in receptions and yards, three catches for 34 yards in a big game against a high-powered offense, yeah, I'll take that every day. I'll take that all day long. Cincinnati has multiple weapons you have to account for. Can beat you in the run game. Can beat you in the pass game. Kansas City right now can only really beat you in two ways. One, when Travis Kelsey's open, or really I should say, not even Travis Kelsey's open, when Taylor Swift is in the stands, seemingly the only time he plays well. Or defensively. And they have to rely on their defense, as they did in the case of the Dolphins game on Sunday, to make a ton of stops and play out of their minds in order to slow down a high-powered offense. So right now, even though the Chiefs record-wise are kings of the conference, reigning Super Bowl champs, reigning AFC champs, outside of just pure respect, it may be hindsight. Like, you look at right now the way Kansas City is playing. How can you truly say their offense is good enough to right now outscore this Bengals offense? I'm not saying it. And I don't think really you can either. So I think the Chiefs, in terms of being a threat or being the team to beat in the AFC... Can't count them in. They're to me out. Ravens, best point differential in the NFL. Blowing out every team that right now comes to their stadium. Reason why I'm not saying Baltimore is because I don't really trust right now their offense in a playoff game. I really don't. Lamar Jackson has been flat out bad in the playoffs his entire career. And it's not like this passing game and this new passing offense is lighting up right now the league. Sure, you put up some big point totals. 
But come playoff time, are we trusting Odell Beckham Jr. to win some big matchups? Are we trusting Zay Flowers here to win some one-on-ones? We trust in Nelson Aguilar on a big third and seven to make a catch? I'm not. I'm not. So what we've seen from this Ravens offense has been impressive, and this Ravens team really has been impressive offensively and defensively, beating the brakes off the Seahawks this past weekend. But I think come playoff time, I don't think right now they are a team built for the playoffs, and I don't think they are a team right now built to beat Cincinnati. So I think I take the Bengals over the Ravens. Jaguars? Look, the Jaguars' offense has not been as explosive as I thought it was going to be. I was really high on Trevor Lawrence coming in, and he's not, he's not been bad. He's not been bad whatsoever. He's been pretty good. I really thought we'd see another gear, though, another level with this offense. And we've not really seen it. They're winning games. They're winning games in multiple ways, which is important. They can run the ball really well with Travis Etienne. And they have a physical, tough defense. But right now, I just don't see this Jaguars offense operating at a high enough level where come playoff time, whether it's Cincinnati or Jacksonville, I could sit here and tell you the Jaguars are beating the Bengals. I can't do it. I don't think we've seen this Jaguars offense go to the level they need to get to in order to beat Cincinnati. The Bills, I mean, wasn't Sunday just enough to count them out? The Bills the Bills are not a, a Super Bowl uh, contender. I took them off after the, the Patriots loss a few weeks ago. They, to me, are not, when we talk Super Bowl contenders, they are not in the conversation. Their offensive line is overrated. They do not get as much scrutiny as they should. They can't establish a run in part because the offensive line is not paving the way. They can't really protect Josh Allen. Josh Allen plays like a wild man. Tries to put the game on his shoulders. Can't do it. Defense is banged up. A lot right now not to like about Buffalo and not a lot right now going to last year's playoff game and what we just saw on Sunday to say, yeah, playoffs, no way I'm picking the Bills to win that game. Home or away, doesn't matter. And I would agree with that sentiment. Can't, be, uh, can't pick Buffalo. Dolphins, look, beat a good team, man. Beat a good team. It's frustrating. I like the Dolphins. One of my best friends is a huge Dolphins fan. We watched the game on Sunday morning. It was his birthday weekend. Hoping for a big birthday win. Get him, you know, one of the bigger Dolphin wins he's seen in his life. I mean, there's not been many, unfortunately. So this would this would honestly would have been up there for top five Dolphin victory over the Chiefs in Germany of probably of his life being almost 30 years old. And just like we've seen against the Bills and the Eagles, big game against a good team. The offense shuts down. So until we start to see the the Dolphins offense play well and put up big time points against a real legit opponent. I don't see how right now you could believe in Miami whatsoever. Browns, Watson just this year is not, to me, good enough. Steelers, Kenny Pickett stinks. Like, you go through the rest of the AFC here. Who are we picking? Who are we pointing? Who are we circling in this conference right now that has you thinking, oh, yeah, they could give Cincinnati a run for their money. Oh, yeah, they're going to prevent the Bengals from going to the Super Bowl. I just went down half the conference. I can't right now find a team in this conference that I can convincingly say can beat the Bengals in the playoffs. So that's why for me, the AFC is over. The race for the Super Bowl is done. Joe Burrow is back. And obviously, knock on wood, as long as he stays healthy, I don't see a team right now in this conference, home or away, beating the Bengals in the playoffs. This team is rounding in a form at the right time. They have multiple ways they can beat you. Offensively, defensively, they have that championship experience or not winning a ring, going to two straight AFC title games and beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead, something only Joe Burrow and Tom Brady can say they've done in the Patrick Mahomes era. They have everything you need. 
And I don't see right now the way they're rounding in a form along with the, how the rest of the AFC is playing. I don't see right now a team that you can confidently say they'll beat the Bengals come playoff time. So I think it's over. Congratulations to the Bengals. You are going to the Super Bowl. I'd love to hear your thoughts. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. If you aren't with me here, and think I'm jumping the gun too much on the Bengals, too in on Cincinnati, which team right now are you circling saying that's who the AFC runs through? If the Bengals are not the team to beat right now in the conference, who is it? 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter is where you can find me as well. Who right now is a team to beat in the AFC conference? I think AFC conference, that's redundant. In the AFC, I think it's the Bengals. For me, I don't see a team right now that is going to beat them in the playoffs. Am I wrong? If so, which team has the best chance to not dethrone, but take down the Bengals? to prevent them from making their second Super Bowl trip in the last three years. 855-212-4227. When we do return here, we'll get your thoughts. We want to continue this conversation. But also, a team we thought possibly could be in the mix to dethrone or just take down the Bengals, the New York Jets. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch last night and say, boy, that Jets offense stinks. No chance they have in the playoffs. You'd be right about that. But could that team be different? Could they be getting a much-needed addition in the next coming weeks? I'll tell you why the Aaron Rodgers thought of him returning is a horrible idea for Rodgers and the Jets. Explain why when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. You have come to the right place. It's Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio, and thank you. For choosing us on this Tuesday, one hour from now, we should get the college football playoff rankings heading into week number 11. I'll give you my top four here in a little bit, but we will react live to those rankings. And I'm sure, like the committee's done every single year, it will be screwed up. I can almost promise you that. But before that, we are talking right now in the AFC conference. In the I did it again twice. Jeez. I don't know why I keep saying AFC conference. I apologize. In the AFC of the NFL, we are talking right now who is the team to beat. I think after week nine, right, the midway point of the season, I think the answer is the Bengals. I love what I see from Joe Burrow and co. the last two weeks. Joe Burrow is finally, for the first time this season, fully healthy, and now you're seeing him dissect and carve up the 49ers two weeks ago and the Bills on Sunday Night Football two nights ago. I think there's no team right now when you watch the Chiefs offense continue to scuffle. When you watch right now the Ravens, how they played in the playoffs. And plus, I'm still not sold on their passing offense outscoring right now this Bengals offense. Jaguars, I don't think, are at that level yet to knock them off. Bills, we just saw them both last year in the playoffs and two nights ago as well. Why they are not the answer uh, to this question. Dolphins can't score on anyone that's legitimately good. I don't see right now a team that you could say is the favorite right now in the AFC over Cincinnati. I don't care about their record right now. I get it's not great. Their point differential is not pretty. Their points per game is not very good. Like, you look at the stats. The stats don't reflect right now how good Cincinnati is because in large part they played a majority of the season with a hurt Joe Burrow. Nice seem healthy. And now you're starting to see, oh boy, things are turning in the right way for Cincinnati. 
And if you are a team uh, or any other team in the AFC, I got bad news for you. Bengals are back. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Are the Bengals right now the team to beat in the AFC? If your answer is no, who then? Rick is calling from Tampa. What's up, Rick? Hey, how's it going? We're, we're hanging, man. What's on your mind? Hey, I'm from Pittsburgh, so this pains me to say, but uh, if the playoffs started next week on a neutral field, Baltimore would be favored against anybody. Okay, but favored and winning the game is two different things. Okay, but I feel like you're giving them short shrift here, and uh, I think they're the team to beat in the AFC. Like I said, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I don't like saying it, but they're the best team in the AFC right now. You trust Lamar Jackson in the playoffs? Um, sure. Sure. Doesn't every, sound too convincing. Every year, right? every, every year is different. So, you know, you go back and, and look at the Ravens' losses, and they're not all on on him. No, but especially for an MVP caliber quarterback that he's been, I don't think you want your quarterback playing down to the level of competition that he's played. I mean, he's played what three playoff games? He's not played well in really any of them. Um, the one win they even had against the, the Titans, and I appreciate the call, Rick, was not really on him in terms of winning the game and playing great. Like his play has absolutely dipped in the regular season versus the playoffs, or dipped in the playoffs, I should say, compared to the regular season. That to me is concerning. And even still, the way like you look at the Bengals, I think they're going to have. Or you look at the Ravens. I don't right now trust their their passing offense to outscore and outduel right now Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think the Bengals, because of their postseason success, deserve the benefit of the doubt that right now you know which Joe Burrow and which Bengals team will show up in a big moment. I can't sit here confidently and say you know what Ravens team and Lamar Jackson is showing up come playoff time in Baltimore. Hung is calling from Pennsylvania. What's up, Hung? Hey, how you doing, buddy? We're hanging, man. Living life. How you doing? Hey, I think this year my Raven going to win Super Bowl, brother, because you know why. Wow. Super if Lamar, Bowl. if Lamar don't do crazy stuff and not running around, gonna get hurt again, then Baltimore win the Super Bowl because the defense is the best defense in the league, and the offense is crazy. You got Angelora, you got the uh, addition of uh, Odell Beckham. Come on, hung. You can't tell me this passing offense is crazy, and the first guy you rattle off is Nelson Aguilar. Come on. No, no. What I'm trying to tell you is. Before, they only had one route to Mac Andrew, but right now, Mac Andrew is always open because we have, like, two additional receivers. So, Raven is legit, and I hope Lamar smart enough to not run around and get hurt. That's the only thing. Hong, you make a good point, and obviously that's what's doomed him the last two years. Appreciate the call, buddy. And I really thought that the Ravens' change in offensive philosophy this year in bringing in Todd Munkin was going to take carries off Lamar Jackson. It's not worked. They're passing the ball a lot. I mean, right now, Lamar Jackson's on pace to break his career, um, his own career record in terms of attempts in a season. But I thought with that being, you know, with, with that being the direction of the offense, okay, that means less carries to Lamar Jackson. And it's not been the case. Like, they're throwing the ball a lot, but when they run it, Lamar's running a lot of these, you know, run plays, and that's problematic. Right now, Gus Edwards is leading the Ravens with 110 rush attempts. Second is Lamar Jackson, 84. 
Justice Hill, Melvin Gordon, I know Keaton Mitchell kind of just jumped on the scene. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins getting hurt is not good whatsoever in terms of trying to take carries away. But right now, the Ravens are still utilizing Lamar Jackson in the run game. And if you are afraid of him getting hurt and banged up, right now they're they're not doing a good job in terms of keeping him out of harm's way and allowing him um, or trying to prevent him from getting banged up and not being in the playoffs like he's been the last two seasons. Okay, so 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Right now, are the Bengals in your mind? The team to beat in the AFC? If not, who is halfway through this NFL season? One team we thought would be in this conversation is the New York Jets. They obviously are not in it because four plays into their season, Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, popped his Achilles and now is out for what we thought at least to be the rest of the year. This is just a warning to Aaron Rodgers, to the Jets organization, and to Jets fans. Aaron Rodgers returning for the Jets this season is a horrendous idea. It's absolutely a non-starter. Because I don't really envision a situation or scenario where this his return ends well. This is fueled by, of course, him last night after the game talking to Derwin James. Derwin James is caught by ESPN microphones asking Aaron Rodgers as he's going to dap him up when you're coming back. And Rodgers said, give me a few weeks, quote-unquote. That went wild today. A lot of people saw that. Now, I want to play this just to provide some proper context. Aaron Rodgers was on his usual Tuesday spot in the Pat McAfee show. He was asked about those comments. Give me a few weeks. How close is he? Here's Aaron Rodgers updating his right now current timeline. I didn't realize that was uh, going to get caught there. I mean, obviously that was said with a little tongue in cheek there. Um, it'd be nice to be able to be back in a couple weeks. That's probably uh, uh, not anywhere near a realistic timeline. We're still a little bit ways off of, uh, you know, I got I to hit markers and then I got to get in the practice field. Then they got to open up the window for me to come back from IR. So we, there's a lot, a lot that has to happen. All right, so there are a few reasons why Aaron Rodgers coming back this season I think is a horrible idea for the Jets, for their organization, for their fans, for the players. Number one, let's just look at the reality. This is a soon-to-be 40-year-old man with what is considered to be the worst injury you can suffer as an athlete, a torn Achilles. Now, there's some cutting-edge surgery with cutting-edge rehab. But the reality is you're 40 years old trying to come back this season. If you come back at any point this season, it would set the record. Set the record for the quickest return from an uh, from an Achilles injury. We're talking three, four, four and a half months. If, he, like, if he's back in, in January for the wild-card weekend, let's just say. Quick math, October, November, December, January, that's four months. He's back on the field after an Achilles injury. You think that's going to be okay? You trust him to not re-injure that Achilles? Because if I'm the Jets, as Joe Douglas, the GM, as Robert Sala, the head coach, as Garrett Wilson, who's excited to play with him, as Alan Lazard, who went to the Jets because of Aaron Rodgers, as a Jets fan, I would be freaking out of Aaron Rodgers coming back too early, injuring himself again, Maybe having 2024 be shot. Maybe having his career end. I mean, that's not a ludicrous statement 
to speculate if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt uh, gets hurt again because he comes back too fast from an Achilles injury at 40 years old that his career could be over. I would be worried about that if I was anyone associated in the Jets organization or a Jets fan or even a Jets player. 2023 is over. The Jets offense sucks. Don't right now risk 2024 and beyond by rushing Aaron Rodgers back to save what is already a lost year. The science is great. His rehab is is cutting edge. I get it. I get it. He's shattering all these records. Cool. And now he's... I think there's a reason why he's on Pat McAfee on Tuesday saying, oh, actually, you know, that was just kind of tongue-in-cheek. I'm still a long ways away. I think he knows deep down there's no way he's returning. I think Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers truly knows he is not playing football again this year. And that, to me, is the right decision. You cannot jeopardize 2024 by rushing him back and maybe losing the rest of his career and now trying to pick up the pieces and scrambling. That's one reason why I don't think it's a good idea whatsoever well, whatsoever for the Jets to bring Aaron Rodgers back or for Aaron Rodgers himself to want to return to the field. The re, the risk of re-injuring yourself, especially with this new surgery, I mean, do we really know if it's this new, this cutting edge, how truly well this surgery holds up in, a, in such a short timeline? I, there's, there's nothing I've seen that says that you're fully confident, fully guaranteed to not re-injure yourself even worse if you're out there earlier than you should, I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't push it if I'm um, if I'm Rodgers or, or the Jets. But also, the thing is, even if he himself doesn't push it, this team is not very good. Like, this offense is not good. How much is he really going to save this team? I don't think a lot. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, if he comes back at any point this season, is saving this Jets offense. Because you know what? This offense is worse than just the quarterback. Everyone wants to blame Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. I am not defending Zach Wilson whatsoever. But the reality is, the problems for the Jets are more widespread than just the quarterback. The offensive play caller stinks. Nathaniel Hackett owes his entire career to Aaron Rodgers. He is not. He was not the head coach of the Broncos. He is not right now the offense coordinator of the New York Jets because of his offensive innovation, because of his ability to call plays. He's friends with Aaron Rodgers. He's someone that Aaron Rodgers likes. He's probably Rodgers' yes man. He's smart. Whatever Aaron says, Hackett agrees with it. And that's why Aaron likes him. You're seeing now, he doesn't put his players in positions to succeed. He doesn't call good plays. He's not creative. So the guy calling the plays is not very good. The offensive line stinks. That's why Riders got hurt in the first place. So him coming back, are we really going to expect this offensive line to all of a sudden, out of nowhere, rise up and start pushing guys around? No. So you're going to have a 40-year-old quarterback under center at some point this year coming off a torn Achilles playing behind a bad offensive line. That didn't sound like a good idea whatsoever. The receivers outside of Garrett Wilson stink. The running game, which you're supposed to lean on with Brees Hall and and Dalvin Cook, is inconsistent at best, partly because the offensive line can't pave the way for them. So it's like you look at this offense, there's not a lot of talent. They're not very good. So like, how much can Aaron Rodgers even help this team this year? I don't think a lot, which is the reason why if you're the Jets, I don't think you should rush Aaron Rodgers back. If you're Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it's in your best interest to rush your way back to return at some point in December or January 
this season's over. I think the risk of re-injuring yourself and possibly ending your career is far greater than the reward of coming back and playing. And I don't think this Jets offense is going to be that much better, like night and day better, with Aaron Rodgers this year, quarterback, compared to Zach Wilson. Wilson stinks. He's not very good. But now there's the offensive line, the wide receivers outside of Garrett Wilson, the running game, or the play caller. So you have so many right now flaws and issues. I don't see one guy coming in and drastically changing this Jets team's fortunes. Not this year. So that's why for me, any thought of a comeback for Aaron Rodgers is a horrendous idea. Horrendous idea for the Jets. Horrendous idea for Rodgers. I don't see the upside. And like I said before, I don't see how this scenario, any scenario, ends in a positive if he's back on the field at some point this year. I don't see a good ending for the Jets or for Aaron Rodgers. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return here on the show, I want to dive into C.J. Stroud's outstanding performance on Sunday, but highlight a bigger point, and that's this. I think C.J. Stroud showed you on Sunday why landing a franchise quarterback is so hard. Almost impossible. There's one thing that teams need to go their way that's not quantifiable whatsoever. I'll tell you what that is when we do return. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Getting old is really depressing. It's Ryan Hickey with right here on CBS Sports Radio. And I had my latest getting old moment, I guess really Monday morning. So yesterday morning. It was my friend Tyler's birthday over the weekend. Big Dolphins fans who were up early watching um, watching Dolphins, uh, Dolphins Chiefs. 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, all jacked up. Unfortunately, tough L. My guy Tyler, big time Dave and Buster's fan. Never gets old. Great games, good food. I mean, elite setup, by the way. I'm getting paid nothing to say this. Went there for the 1 o'clock slates. They had like 10 TVs on the wall. Elite setup at Dave and Buster's. Highly recommend. Played a few games. Watched, you know, obviously watch all the games as well. Had some good food. Good time. But you go play some of the games. Dodgeballs out there. Like a little target practice. Kind of like at a carnival game when you kind of throw, you know, throw to hit the milk cartons down. Kind of similar like that. But they had clowns you're trying to hit at. And like one game of like target throwing like NFL quarterback accuracy drills. So, like, I probably realistically threw a ball 50 times. 50 times in, like, an hour total. My shoulder, Monday morning and even still today, as you sit here almost 48 hours removed, is still sore. It's embarrassing. My right shoulder is is truly still hurting me. Where I kind of got to massage it out a little bit. And it hurt to lift up my arm yesterday. I'm like, my God. And this is even more pathetic. I stretched. I'm in there, David Buster's doing the right arm, stretching the shoulder, kind of, you know, doing the windmill motion to to get the arm loose. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to hurt myself here. I'm not going to throw too hard. I'm not trying to hit 100 miles an hour on the radar gun. And still, taking it easy and stretching still has my right shoulder in shambles. It's pathetic. It is truly pathetic. And you see, like, you know, all these young kids running around. I'm sure good to be young again, you know, playing all these games, throwing doing whatever, feeling no pain the next day. Waking up, feeling feeling nothing. It's truly sad. It's truly, honestly, frustrating and depressing. But I guess that's life. That is life. 
But man, that was a harsh reminder. Getting old sucks. You know what also sucks? Trying to scout franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think C.J. Stroud's success this season, especially coming off of his career game on Sunday against the Buccaneers, I think shows why the biggest factor in getting a franchise quarterback, it's truly luck. When it comes to drafting a quarterback, you can tell me, oh, tests matter and how they played in college football matters. And what you have on your team matters, right? Like what your coaching staff is like and what the offensive weapons are like and what your GM is like and how is your owner? See, crazy. Even timing has something to do with that as well. Where's the division at? Where's this team at? Are they rebuilding? Are they ready to go? Like there's a lot of factors, right, that, that go with nailing a franchise quarterback. But I would argue right now the biggest factor you need to land a franchise quarterback is having luck on your side. It's having Lady Luck come down and throw you a bone. Because if luck wasn't involved, right, if truly was all about scouting and truly was all about these tests that we do and the scouting combine and watching all this film, why is it that then 95% of the best quarterbacks in the league weren't the first quarterback taken in their draft class? Like, if it was that easy, you put the tape on, you talk to him, you interview him, if it was so easy to land these franchise quarterbacks and luck wasn't involved, how come then the best quarterbacks in the NFL, the top 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the league, all aren't the first quarterback taken in their draft class? Like, you look at right now, you go through any draft, look at the first quarterback taken in any draft in any year. Most fail. Most are not the best quarterback in their draft class. Most do not pan out to be a franchise quarterback, an elite quarterback, a guy who gets a second contract. Most of the best guys right now in our league, second, third, fourth quarterbacks taken in their draft, second, third, fourth round they're taken. Like, it's really hard, and I think that's part of the reason why it's luck is I really don't think there's any tangible way to watch a quarterback in college and say and project confidently how they'll do in the NFL. And I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud is the perfect example of that. I was a huge C.J. Stroud, uh, excuse me, I was a huge Bryce Young uh, proponent. I'm a Colts fan. They had the number four overall pick. So I was right in the mix in terms of getting a quarterback. I desperately, I if I was the Colts GM, I would have given up the farm to Chicago to go to number one to draft Bryce Young. Because you watch Bryce Young, I think everything that you wanted from a franchise quarterback, he showed at Alabama. Right, especially when you're talking about, oh, which quarterback should I take? Should it be Young or should it be Stroud? I mean, Young had the advantage that Alabama, the teams he played on with the Crimson Tide, I would say were less talented than the ones C.J. Stroud played on. So there's a question of, oh, is C.J. Stroud a benefit of the great talent around him or is he a great quarterback? But Bryce Young, especially in 2022, outside of Jameer Gibbs, there was no talent on that Alabama offense. So Bryce Young had a lot of success with guys that are never going to be in the NFL. That's like That to me is a mark of a guy in college where you say, wow, he's making those around you better. That's one of the requirements you need your franchise quarterback to do is make the players around him better. Well, Bryce Young, I think, showed that at Alabama. So that's a reason why you think, oh, well, he'll come into the NFL. He'll be on a bad team. He'll make those bad players around you better. He had tremendous pocket presence. Like you watch him at Alabama. Again, he's not the biggest guy, right? He's short and he's skinny. You would think a guy in that small stature 
with a you know a thin lean frame would be scared as hell and running out of the pocket when 300 pound guys are running at him trying to take his head off. But he stayed in the pocket, calm, never looked to run, stayed in there to the last second, made some good throws, stepped into it, never shied away. He was tremendously accurate, great decision maker, rarely put the ball in harm's way. Like Alabama was not, especially in offense, not a truly talented team like what we're used to seeing when they had Tua. And they had times like four first-round picks at wide receiver on their team at the same time. That was not Alabama in 2020, uh, 2022. And so you look at all the intangibles that Bryce Young displayed in his time at Bama, along with winning a ton of games, I was all in. Give me this guy. I'm like, I'll do whatever it takes. You want five first-round picks? I know it's not possible to do that, but let's just you know play hypothetical here with me. If you could, in theory, give up five first-round picks to give to the Bears for the Colts a trip to number four to number one to get Bryce Young, I would have done it. That's how I, big and, and highly I thought of him. I, I had questions about C.J. Stroud. Again, you're throwing to Chris Olave. You're throwing to Garrett Wilson. You're throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, he had so... Jackson Smith and Jigba. He had a loaded wide receiver room, a loaded running back room. I think Ryan Day is still, despite what some Ohio State fans will say, is a good offensive mind and good offensive play caller who puts players in positions to succeed. So I think there's a lot on C.J. Stroud's, or a lot to benefit, I should say, C.J. Stroud, where I think you could truly sit there and say, well, is it Stroud or is it everyone else around him making him better? And that's a guy that we watched at Ohio State in 2021 and 2022. He had no problem lighting up the scoreboard against Indiana, against Rutgers, against Minnesota. But when it came to playing the big dogs, Michigan, Oregon. He played poorly against, really, up until the Georgia game in the college football playoff, the best teams he played, he played his worst in. So, like, you watch right now Stroud at Ohio State and, and Young at Alabama, and you think, okay, well, I feel really good about Bryce Young projecting really well to the next level, and now you see so far through the first nine weeks of the season, I couldn't be more wrong. I'm not I'm not running off Bryce Young. That This is not me giving up on Bryce Young I still think there's a lot of talent there, and I think a lot of his struggles do have to do um, with right now a big-time lack of talent in Carolina and a lot of things right now going against him. But you watch how Bryce Young plays, and you watch how C.J. Stroud is playing with, by the way, not a very good team around him. Like, the outfits line has been in shambles. They rotated a lot of guys because they were super banged up. I mean, Nico Collins, no disrespect, is their best wide receiver. The run game is one of the worst in the NFL. New head coach, new offensive coordinator. Like, there was a lot where you look at C.J. Stroud. I'll never forget it. I said it multiple times right here on the CBS Sports Radio platform. I thought of the three quarterbacks taken in the first four picks, Young, Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, that Stroud would have by far the worst rookie year. And it's been the total opposite. He's been the best rookie by far. But that shows you like, why it's so hard to lock down franchise quarterbacks because what you see... You think, oh, that of course is going to translate. And it rarely ever happens. Like, you look at the top 10 highest-paid quarterbacks in the league, not saying all these guys are elites, but they were believed in by their team enough to break the bank, right, and get record contracts. You're not giving record contracts to guys you don't believe in. Well, of the 10 right now highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, just three were the first quarterback taken in their draft bus. So majority were overlooked. A majority were misjudged. And a majority were doubted in the sense that, oh, well, we don't think this guy's the best quarterback in the class because if 
we did, well, that guy would have been taken number one overall. Like Patrick Mahomes, second quarterback taken. If people knew, oh, this is exactly what Mahomes is going to be, guys go number one overall. Forget about the first quarterback taken. So you don't know. And that's why I think, and I say, like, it truly does have to go with luck. Lamar Jackson, pick 32. Do the Ravens expect to draft an MVP caliber quarterback at pick number 32? No. Because if they did, they would have traded up to number one to make sure no one else gets him. Josh Allen, do the Bills have any idea that Josh Allen would be able to put it together where he could be a top three quarterback in the NFL? I don't think so. I think there was optimism or hope, but again, not many in the league believed he could get there because otherwise, he would not have gone in his draft class, the third quarterback drafted, and he would not have had six other teams pass on him. But how important the quarterback position is, if we knew, right, and we were able to scout easily, all the best quarterbacks in the NFL are all the first ones taken in their draft class. No one wants to talk about it because it's not tangible and you can't quantify it. Luck, I think, is a big reason why or a big factor into getting a franchise quarterback or not. I think we're seeing that right now with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. All right, when we return here, it's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We are minutes away from the latest college football playoff rankings being revealed. I'll give you my top four, including a new number one from last week. It's Ryan Hickey, CBS Sports Radio.